What is up, everyone? Welcome to another new episode of the What the Niche podcast with me, Andrew Morris, as your ever devoted host. Now, before we get into the heart of this week's episode, I want to remind everyone to please visit my website at whatthenitch.net and check out the things I have for sale in the store. If some of you would like to support the podcast by becoming a subscribing member, you can do so by clicking the donate button on the site. It will take you directly to my Patreon account where you can learn about all the benefits of being a supporting member. I'd also like to encourage my listeners to visit Kickstarter to support the comic Memoirs of an Angel. The artist Brian Rodman is today's guest, and I hope you will show him the same amount of love as you've shown this very podcast. And as always, I love all of my listeners, and I cannot thank you enough for the continued support. Now, without further ado, it's on to this week's episode. In this week's episode, we will be discussing independent comic book artists. People say you, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing, and it's totally true. And the reason is, uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, if you're not having fun doing it, you don't really love it, uh, you're going to give up. And that's what happens to most people, actually. If you really look at, 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 at the ones that uh, ended up you know, being successful, unquote, in the eyes of society and the ones that didn't, oftentimes it, it's the ones that are successful loved what they did so they could persevere when, you know, when it got really tough. And, and the ones that, that didn't love it quit because they're sane. Right? Who would want to put up with this stuff if you don't love it? So it's a lot of hard work, and, and it's a lot of worrying constantly. And uh, um, if you don't love it, you're going to fail. So you got to love it. you got to have passion. When you start out, you have to deal with the problems of failure. You need to be thick-skinned to learn that not every project will survive. A freelance life, a life in the arts, is sometimes like putting messages in bottles on a desert island and hoping that someone will find one of your bottles and open it and read it and put something in a bottle that will wash its way back to you. Appreciation or a commission or money or love. And you have to accept that you may put out hundreds of things for every bottle that winds up coming back. If you have an idea of what you want to make, what you were put here to do, then just go and do that. And that's much harder than it sounds, and sometimes in the end so much easier than you might imagine. Because normally there are things you have to do before you can get to the place you want to be. But when you have a dream, it doesn't often come at you screaming in your face, this is who you are, this is what you must be for the rest of your life. Sometimes a dream almost whispers. And I've always said to my kids, the hardest thing to listen to, your instincts, your human personal intuition always whispers it never shouts 
very hard to hear. So you have to, every day of your lives, be ready to hear what whispers in your ear is very rarely shouts. You've got to find what you love. And that is as true for work as it is for your lovers. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Sometimes life is hard. Things go wrong. In life, and in love, and in business, and in friendship, and in health, and in all the other ways that life can go wrong. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Make good art. Living in the art realm, one can see the escapism which exists. Brushes glide across canvases as worries pace themselves into the landscape. Bright-colored catharsis used as a gallery piece of therapy. A pandemic rises and art bears the load. The images flickering across the television screen. The sounds of music filling your cathedrals of comfort. The pencils scratching across a blank page. Voices echoing into a mic, creating time capsules of conversation. Art stands in as a knight fighting against the subconscious. Every emotion pontificated by the gods of creation. Delivered to you via the means we've grown accustomed. A six-inch version of a walkthrough of the Louvre, performed while still in flannel attire. Grand tales and battles unfolding in your hands as the thin pages rustle beneath a ceiling fan. Conquering fears of the apocalypse with the swivel of a joystick. Art finds a way to keep us sane. It never leaves you alone. It never leaves you without inspiration. It never leaves you unconnected. Art leaves no feeling unexpressed. No thought without representation. No scenario left unperformed. Art is everyone. Is everywhere is everything we are it and it is us we are its performers and it is the ever attentive audience that brings me to my guest this week his name is brian rodman he is a husband christian writer comic artist and a wonderful addition to my circle of friends In our discussion, we cover how Christianity is often portrayed in contemporary art. Brian dives into how he is trying to create work that doesn't fall into the boring realm of what is often perceived as Christian art. We also talk about how comics and nerd culture continues to permeate into the mainstream. Overall, I feel as though this is a great conversation between two strangers at the time, who have now become pretty solid buddies. 
I hope this conversation inspires you to find a way to connect with other humans during these trying times of a pandemic. I'm Brian Rodman, and I am a, uh, a comic creator. I write and illustrate the comic uh, series, uh, the horror fantasy series, Memoirs of an Angel. Uh, it's a horror fantasy series uh, that is about a cosmic war uh, between angels and demons and uh, this um, you know, the, this ragtag group of angels and humans have to you know come together to, to, to fight the Dark Kingdom and the... Uh, um, in this cosmic world that's been raging for thousands of years. Uh, I've been working on this comic for, uh, four, well, I've been working on the comic for 15 years, um, but I've actually been creating it for four and a half. And uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky uh, with my wife and uh, our two crazy cats. And um, yeah, that, that's me. That's, that's where I'm at right now. Beautiful, man. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have to uh, get me some information on how I can purchase those comics. And if uh, if you have that, We'll share that at the end. Uh, That way you can just send everybody out fresh and like, don't forget to go get this because that sounds dope as as crap, dude. Um, So I like to do uh, for those that get a behind the scenes uh, before I start these conversations in these podcasts, I was telling uh, Brian here that uh, I like to do what's called the social lubrication. Uh, And it's basically just kind of like chit chat a little bit. Uh, I don't know, Brian. I never met Brian before we started this interview. Uh, via Zoom, uh, we happen to have a uh, mutual connection uh, and a guy named Bra- uh, Braxton Gaither, who I will have on either a later podcast or a previous podcast. We will see how that goes. Um, another great guy, another great artist. Uh, and he set me up with Brian. He's like, hey, you need to reach out to this guy. He's awesome. I think he'd be great for your podcast. And it seems to be that he will be correct because uh, I had to derail Brian before this conversation started. Cause he was going on a, a long thing about, uh, some, some things involving him. And, uh, I was like, derail your conversation, save that for the podcast it's too juicy and great. So the thing I like to start these podcasts with is it's really worked into some great conversation starters is that what are some misconceptions that people make about you, uh, specifically as a comic book artist, uh, some things that they have preconceived notions about, uh, or, whatever that they make false assumptions about you about? Well, um, I think I would start with, um, I am a Christian, uh, comic artist. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a comic artist who happens to also be a Christian. Um, wait for the audience to gasp. Okay. All right. And And so a lot of misconceptions come with that, believe it or not. Um, and the first one is that, you know, uh, first of all, I would say Christian Christianity, Christian isn't a genre, right? So like, I hate it when a lot of people say like, this is a Christian book or a Christian movie, like the definition of Christian doesn't really cover like a book. You know what I mean? So it's, I hate that misconception first. I hate how people use that. But, um, the biggest one is that everything that is made by a Christian should be and is corny, hallmark, family-friendly you know, goody two shoes, squeaky clean, uh, safe for safe. That's a good word to use. Um, you know, for the, for the entire family. And I, in, in many ways, my comic is none of that. 
Um, it is very dark, very gritty. Um, it, it's real. It's raw. And um, you so know, it's I, Old I Testament. Uh, we dabble. <laughs> we dabble yeah. in some of that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and but in a big part of it is uh, I approach a lot of things with uh, a, an apologetic type mindset. So um, just kind of going in and really diving deep into what you know. So you say the Old Testament. Well, why did God command people to go slaughter other other nations? Like, why did that happen? What does that look like? And so we address some of that in the comic, but through story. I'm not preaching at anybody, right? So a lot of a lot of comics, it's like there's no story. It's literally just like a sermon that's badly written. And it's just this guy giving a monologue or, you know, it's bad dialogue, whatever. And it, it completely destroys the storytelling aspect of, of what comics should be. Um, and so I really, you know, kind of went the other, the opposite direction because I, I hate Christian entertainment. Um, I, I've, I've found very, very few comics books, um, you know, movies that, that, are really any good at all. Um, and as a Christian, I may agree with their message, but man, you're just doing a really bad job presenting it. And I really wanted to, to do a different approach. I wanted it to be good quality. Um, I wanted to tell a really good story that even if you didn't agree with the, the biblical themes that are being discussed or, or, you know, that, that are being portrayed in the story, you'd still get a kick out of the story because it's just a good story. And, and that's my, my, my goal here. So, yeah, I guess the biggest misconception is what my comic should be from a stereotypical perspective. Yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. And and um, I mentioned this to, to you before the podcast, like I was in a metal band yeah. and uh, some of the craziest, heaviest bands uh, on the scene. I, uh, a couple of examples, Despised Icon uh, and uh, another band called Impending Doom. Uh, and they're, they're, they dealt with the subject matters of Christianity and faith and God. And yeah. um, they used to do a whole festival of bands that were all Christian heavy metal bands. Uh, and I'll tell you this right now, uh, a Christian music festival mosh pit, <laughs> that wasn't anywhere you wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, Jesus was turning a lot of cheeks in those pits. Uh, <laughs> they were crazy, dude. Those bands are crazy. It's like we all had to say a fucking prayer after those shows were over. Like, I hope God does forgive because, damn, I can't that's brutal. Um, so, yeah, man, I get where you're coming from. Like uh, a lot of the things, um, if you go back, you know, I use music as a reference because of what I'm most familiar with, like bands like yeah. DC Talk. You know, what would people do? Oh, yes. Then it's true. Oh, oh, or <laughs> jars of clay. You know, yeah. it's like, and then you moved up up in the time frame and, you know, you get bands like uh, Lecrae. I don't know if you listen to rap or hip hop at all. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I really, I really dig Lecrae. Yeah. Lecrae's great. It's super clean. Yeah. Uh, and just a, he's a good rapper. Like, he's a great hip hop artist. Like, uh, I use him in my class. Uh, I'm a teacher as well. And it's relatable because it's hip hop. It's modern. It's contemporary. And yeah. uh, the kids will usually get on me and be like, oh, he's clean. I'm like, okay, well, listen to that and tell me that wasn't good. Right. Like, all right, man. It was okay. I mean, <laughs> so using begrudgingly win them over. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, and, and that's my thing. Like the thing I think I really, cause I, again, I, I'm a little, I don't really like a whole lot of Christian hip hop because I think it can, I think the cleanness can get, get in the way a lot of yeah. time. 
uh, and Lecrae has found a way because that that's not really what I'm most concerned about. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear you know if you're you're a Christian hip hop artist, I want to hear you talk about life as yeah. as a Christian. I want to hear you talk about you know yes, absolutely. You can talk about your faith. You can praise God, but you don't have to 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 put on a facade like you've got you know everything going on for you because guess what? Nobody does. And Lecrae, I think, does that really well. Um, like, there's a song that that he has. Um, oh, what's it called? Welcome to America. Uh, um, I love that song. Yeah, it's a good so song. real. It's so yeah. raw, man. And and it's like I I'll, I'll listen to it on loop sometimes just to just to you know, especially here lately with everything that's been going on in the news. I've listened to it a couple times, and and uh, it, it's just a good perspective song. And and like that's the kind of like that's the kind of art that I want to see coming from Christians is, you know, don't it's, you don't have to just do the, 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 you know, staple, um, you know, cookie cutter pattern of, you know, Oh, praise Jesus in the morning. This is great. That's fine. But talk about real stuff, man. Talk about, you know, what, what's actually happening in your life, what's happening in the world uh, and, and, and show, you know, what, what your worldview, what your faith has to say about that stuff. Um, and, and he, and Lecrae does that perfectly. Um, I'm, I'm, I really, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, me too, man. Like church clothes, that whole album, uh, plays good from front to back. It's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it's, it's one of those things that like, it is a common misconception of, uh, that I see, you know, and I'm not a Christian, former Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. I've talked about that before. Um, but uh, I have friends who really go outside of those things that you would normally associate with Christians. Uh, I have a friend who has his master's degree in divinity. Uh, he's yeah. a teacher with me uh, at the school that I work at, DOS. And, uh, you know, he's lived a crazy life. And um, he definitely isn't what you would normally consider. He has scripture tattooed on his chest here. Wow. Uh, he's got a full arm piece that comes down. Um, he's done just about every drug that you can think of. Um, so he did go through a period of his life where he was doing some things that he knows that not just as a Christian, but as a person, like he knew that probably wasn't the best path. Um, but he's lived. And I think that one of the things that people might assume or that might be off putting to people, um, sometimes it's, it's off putting to me. Um, at the end of the day, I don't give a shit what you are. Just be that and be that authentically. Yeah. And I think that when these people are like, I'm a Christian and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here, but uh, the people that are like, I'm a Christian. I don't do those things. And you're like, okay, that, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. But you know, is that who you are all the time? Really? Do you right. not go yeah. home and maybe drop a shit here or drop a shit there? You know, yeah. when you're talking and to your husband. Really- at home. <laughs> with that, like, yeah, you may not do this thing, but I guarantee you, you struggle with pride like nobody yes. else. Does. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, dude, nobody's nobody's squeaky clean. That's the whole point of you know why Christianity says you need Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, that's the purpose. Is yeah, hey, we all suck. We're all broken. So like the the idea of oh, I'm a Christian, so I'm above this. I'm above you. It's 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 bullcrap. You know, it, it it's absolutely you know asinine to 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 put yourself above somebody that way because that's that's very anti-biblical that's that's a great point i mean and 
I think that's the thing. <laughs> it's in the name and yet so many people tend to forget. Um, I think what being a Christian entails and Christ is the figure whom you're supposed to embody, who you're supposed to, you know, use, use his light and his guidance to push you into the right direction, you know, and I'm speaking out on the, as now an outsider of this, but I totally understand that that's what you should be doing. Don't be yeah. judgmental. Don't be hateful because those are two things that are very much not Christ-like. And I know that, yeah. you know, vacation Bible school taught me a couple things. All right. John three sixteen, <laughs> and the Christ was nice. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, come on, dude, you can get it together. And which ironically Christ was nice to the people who weren't religious. Yeah. But he disenfranchised, but he wasn't so nice to the religious people. That was, that's the best part (laughs) because they weren't, they weren't (laughs) following what the teachings were, you know, what they they, they were all corrupt and they were all, you know, using the system to, 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 you know, get further in their own careers. Right. And, uh, and they weren't actually doing the work that, that God appointed them to do. And so, yeah, he was, he was not nice to them for all the good reasons and super nice. And, and, you know, welcoming to to everyone that uh they shunned yeah yeah and uh it makes it even more odd when you see these uh these televangelists like especially mr i can't remember the guy's name but the covid19 guy Um, that they kenneth copeland kenneth copeland who's what is he 89 i think they said i have no idea (laughs) very old i know that john oliver made fun of him um and uh you know it's just it's so obvious that this person is taking a, the Lord's name in vain because he is profiting, you know, off his proselytization of the word and he's making money. Yeah. You know, and it's like, wait, 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 that's not the thing. You're not supposed to live in the, this million dollar house. And I think the show that just came on uh, HBO <laughs> was absolutely fantastic. It was uh, oh, the righteous, the righteous gemstones. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, you should totally watch it. Yeah, I've, I've not seen it. I might check it, check it out. It's Danny McBride, uh, John Goodman. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I know, I know what show you're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, and it does an absolute fantastic job of demonstrating the hypocrisy. Yeah. Uh, the first episode, all you need to know, this should sell you on the, the how hilarious the show is. They're in a fucking wave pool at oh, an amusement park doing the largest, setting the record for the largest 24-hour uh, group um, baptism. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and somebody forgets to turn off the wave machine. So mid-baptism, there's four of them out there baptizing people. <laughs> and then the wave machine comes on. <laughs> Dude, I was sold on the show from there. I was like, two oh, minutes in, I'm funny. sold. Let's This is hilarious. Let's go. So oh, I think it, it's a really nice, it's really nice satire um, and, and really pointing out some key things there. And I know that we, that, you know, we went from a comic artist started this podcast to a religious job, but you, because it is so interesting that you're doing something that probably never has the, you know, associations with Christianity. I, when you told me that I was like, yeah, I don't think everything of comics and Christianity. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do, it's cringeworthy. Really? <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> yeah, it's, you're gonna have to dust that issue off in the back of the comic shop in the ninety nine cent bin. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what are some other things like as an artist? Do you find yourself 
um, only focusing on that one thing um, because maybe this, this attaches itself to misconceptions too, because, you know, as a comic artist, I don't necessarily think, uh, whereas other artists, you know, people that I talk to, they're into like, Oh, I also sculpt and I do this and, and that, and that, are there other things that you venture into outside of just, you know, uh, that specific type of art? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm also a, a writer. Um, I think that's, it's, it's interesting because like I, I, a lot of comic book artists are, are just artists, right? They're just, or they're just pencilers. They're just anchors, you know, there's very different. And uh, I've mostly because I couldn't afford a good, you know, artist, writer, anchor. I just learned to do it all um, myself. And uh, as I've kind of just learned as I, as I go. Um, and I think honestly, the, the, I think the way to wrap that all up into one nice cute bundle is to just say, I, I'm a storyteller. Um, and, but the biggest, my, my favorite part of that is, is writing. Um, I love drawing. I love coloring. I love, you know, all those uh, different aspects, but I think my favorite part is just dreaming up, uh, stories and world building, um, is, is, and as a writer, that's just a playground, man. I, I absolutely love that. Um, and, and I, I do, I do that. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a part of a podcast, uh, as well. Um, I'm huge nerd love movies, love, you know, TV shows, comics, games, um, anime, uh, you know, you name it. I'm, I'm, I'm nerding out over it. And uh, it's me and a few other people, um, just kind of talking about the nerd news, you know, of, of the, of the current events and, uh, you know, just what, what movies are coming up, what movies we love, what TV shows, you know, games, all that jazz. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Right on. That's beautiful. So you, you just did a perfect job of explaining how you're all the things <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Like people are doing such, I don't have to guide anybody. I'm just being a facilitator on this thing. And it's beautiful that you clearly are just demonstrating that people are, might be wrapped up into this one niche, but be damned that box because Indeed. so many people are, are so outside of that thing and you're just blasting that box to pieces. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it sounds like you've probably been involved or interested in this medium uh, of comic book art and art in general. So, and how old are you? I'm 33. 33. Okay. I don't mean to put you on blast like that. If you were a female, oh, you probably would have virtually slapped me. Whoosh, how <laughs> dare you young man. And then I would follow up. Well, how much do you weigh though? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just knocking out of the park with the request. Hey man, yeah, why not? You know, I got nothing to hide. Let's do it. <laughs> Depends on the day, brother. I just took a shed. Uh, Two forty-five. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, what changes have you noticed in the industry? Because uh, I know that you're pretty close to my age, uh -huh. and I didn't really grow up with comics. I grew up with novels. Um. Mm, you know, I started reading Stephen King when I was like in third grade for better or worse. Uh, I don't see a therapist, so it must be okay. Uh, <laughs> Dean Kuhn, stuff like that. Loved it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's been interesting for me to see things um, change in my perception. But as an artist, you got a little bit more insight. And as somebody who's into comics, I'm always curious to see, what you've noticed and how it's changed and maybe give your thoughts on if you think it's for better or worse. 
Sure. Um, I think the the biggest the biggest thing that's changed in comics is the rise of the indie creator. Um, and you know, DC and Marvel, they're they're making tons of movies, and you know they've got different streaming shows and all that jazz, and that's that's great. When the comics are concerned, yeah, they still sell, but they're not really speaking to the to the the general reader anymore. Um, you know, comic book publishers like Indie Era, uh, Image Comics, um, IDW, Boom, uh, some of the smaller press um, deals like SourcePoint Press, uh, Alterna Comics, Scout Comics. These guys are really pumping out, you know, stories that have never really been told in uh, in comic book form. You know, they've they've been told in in uh, prose um, quite a bit. You know, you get a lot of fantasy, a lot of horror. Um, and you're now you're even looking into like biographies and, uh, and, you know, just dramas where they're, you know, we've gotten away from the, the costumed heroes and now we're just looking at to, and into real people and what their lives look like. Um, and just, you know, it's focused more on the stories instead of the, the boom pal. Um, and that's really, it's been on that track really since the late eighties, uh, the comic book industry, but specifically in the indie circle, um, Kickstarter has really opened up, um, Kickstarter has really opened up, you know, the, the, I guess the gates really, they just kind of, you know, destroyed the gatekeeper aspect of the comic book industry. And Hey, like if you, if you've got this idea, if you've got this comic that you, if you got the story you want to tell and you, you have the means to create it, you know, you can create your own fan base and run with it, man. And, and, and it's, it's crowdfunding all, you know, all the way right now. Um, especially, especially right now with, uh, with all the, the COVID-19 stuff going on. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the main distributor of the, the comic book, you know, to the comic book stores, uh, has shut down and, uh, Kickstarter is really, you know, booming because that's a way that fans can get new comics that, you know, they, they get directly from the creators, uh, instead of having to go to, you know, a store or, you know, go through, you know, different distributors or publishers. Um, it's, it's a unique experience. So I think that's the thing that's, that's changed the most. I think for the most part, it's good. Um, actually, I mean, as an indie creator, I think it's mostly good. I don't really know of a, of a bad, you know, thing that's come from it other than it's kind of sad to see, Marvel, Marvel and DC just kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel um, instead of embracing, you know, the, the non-traditional um, superhero stories. I wish they'd kind of jump on the same bandwagon as Dark Horse or Image Comics. But um, so it is kind of see it's kind of sad to see the big two, you know, titans of the industry not really competing very well, even though the numbers say they do. They're just not reaching fans the way that the rest of the indie creators are. Yeah, and I guess it's it probably falls into what I'll refer to as the Star Wars effect, mm-hmm. which is very much what Disney did with the new release of Star Wars. Um, they did something very safe. I mean, it is it is the rehashing uh, with the female protagonist the exact same story. Yeah, when you really when you realistically trim it down, uh, and it worked. You know, that first film didn't really get the uh, the backlash that The Last Jedi did. Probably, you know, I don't want to go too deep into that, but I think it's that same thing. It's that same effect. It's knowing what's safe. 
understanding those stories that people are comfortable with. Um, and you know, and they've taken a few gambles because I didn't know who in the hell the Guardians of the Galaxy were. I'll be completely honest. Yeah. So I know that they were a little bit off the beaten path, and then that went on to be one of the more popular uh, things that they had done. Uh, and I know that they're you know they're going to get into things like Inhuman and all that stuff. You know, they're kind of beginning those with different shows and things like that. So they are trying a little bit of different stuff. But I'm with you. Um, I know those stories. I mean, even those stories being a little different, it feels like X-Men 3.0 or whatever, you know? So, but I think for me, like on the outside, I've always been somebody who has always been into horror, always been into sci-fi, always been into those things that were on the fringes. Um, And I think the weird thing for me as what I was probably growing up, I was considered an outsider. And I think when you go to these horror conventions or these comic cons and things of that nature, uh, or the cons in general, Mm -hmm. that it's becoming more ingrained in mainstream pop culture. Yeah. And nerd is like the cool thing to be now. Oh, like he's like such a cute, like nerd. (laughs) And it's so weird. Like, because, you know, when I was growing up, that would not have been the thing. You know, only, yeah. And I'm only 37, you know, so it wasn't that damn long ago. Um, uh, whether my students believe that or not, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> so well, it's you know, like when I was in high school, man, it was, it wasn't cool to be into comics. Like, you no. know, I, I actually, it, it, when I was in college, it, that was, uh, um, I, it was an art history and I, you know, I was obviously huge into comics and, and, we had a, she, my art history teacher, you know, had mentioned that comics weren't art and, and, and not to me directly, just in general. And, um, and so we had to do a, a piece just on, you know, a particular period in the, in, in history and, and, you know, obviously discuss the, the art of that time and all that jazz. And so I asked her, I said, Hey, can I do, you know, can I do one on the history of comic books? And she was very good teacher. She said, sure, we'll turn it into a persuasive piece. You try and convince me that comics are art. And my goodness, I don't know if she was just trying to like, after I was done, I don't know if she was just trying to, you know, make me feel better. But she told me that I actually changed her perspective on it because she had no idea about, you know, how, how comics were, you know, attacked by the government for a while and you know they had the whole comics code deal and all that jazz i went through all that stuff in like five pages and uh and she was like yeah she's like i, I didn't know any of this stuff and which is sad because she was an art history teacher <laughs> but yeah. even on that level like it wasn't noticed as as anything more than just a children's thing that adults shouldn't enjoy so it was, it was not cool at all <laughs> yeah and I really do think that those perceptions have changed majorly. I mean, when you're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry, when you're talking about the, the film industry now, you know, with the Avengers being uh, the top grossing mo- movie of all time. Yeah. Um, rightfully so. I mean, the Russo brothers did just such a great job yeah, with it. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, I cried. Um, <laughs> oh, <I did> too. <laughs> such a fun memory, but weird at the same time because uh, – I sat next to a very pregnant woman. Oh. Uh, she was like eight months pregnant. Uh-huh. And you're talking hormone central. And uh, when Iron Man, you know, finally, you know, does his thing, she yeah. is audibly 
crying. She's like, <laughs> and I was like, and I was already crying and like, she's crying. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and it was just like this moment that everybody could share. And that was one of those things like it's generational now. Like, yeah. My students, I reference it all the time, probably ad nauseum, just because I know it's so big. Yeah. And I can relate those those huge story and archetypes uh that are familiar to them via that medium. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I teach at a, a school that's, you know, pre- predominantly students of color. And then when a movie and a film came out like Black Panther, where oh, you yeah you got to see like this whole world. It wasn't just one black character who's spitting into fucking stereotypes right. uh, of what a black character should be. No, you had this rich, beautiful culture that they had created mm-hmm. uh, for black Panther and with Wakanda. And that, you know, that so many people were drawn to that. And I have that to use as yeah. a means of inspiration. And I think that's another thing that people neglect to realize is that, you know, that when that comic came out, it was very much a comment and a commentary against uh, individuals who were casting black people aside. And it was part of the civil rights movement, you know, and it was this grand thing. And it wasn't like trying to commercially rip things off where you saw like <laughs> horror was terrible about this horrible uh, horror did all this black exploitation stuff back in the day and the action and the Kung Fu movies with all these black exploitation films that they were doing, just capitalizing on, well, we got a black leader there. Right. Uh, yeah. Black come on out by Bob Gord. And <laughs> it wasn't that, you know, yeah. it, it had substance and you know, that's, you're right. People see, saw it as lesser. And I think now that they're recognizing it, when you see things like, Watchmen, uh, and you see what, what Alan Moore was able to do with that story and <laughs> crazy story. I mean, I love that story. Um, that was one of the first graphic novels I ever read in its entirety and seeing what HBO was able to do with that very adult content. It's like this, this ain't kids friends. <laughs> I mean, it's really heavy. It's really serious. It's, it's dark it, subject matter. You know? It means something. You know, I, yeah. I think that I think that's the that's really when you're trying to tell a story, you know, it, it's got to mean something. It's it's got to have you know weight. It's got to have you know. I mean, unless it unless you're intentionally just being you know, it's just fun, and that's yeah. fine. But that, I think that's something that, that Alan Moore did so well with with Watchmen and with V for Vendetta. I mean, my goodness, oh, that was yeah. like 1984 with a superhero. Um, and, uh, and it was just, I mean, the, the social commentary that, that I think is very much needed in those books, uh, then and now, um, and, in 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 some of the same ways, but also in many different ways, um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's needed. It's, it has meaning to it. It's not just, you know, some regurgitated, you know, meaningless thing that, that, you know, we're pandering to a certain group of people or whatever it, no, it it has a significant real weighty thing to say and it does it well. Um, and, and I think Alan Moore captured that so greatly in those two books specifically. Oh yeah, absolutely adore him. And you know, then of course the Wachowski brothers film adaptation, bringing it to another generation just so beautifully mm-hmm. um, translated, just wonderful. Uh, and then of course with, uh, Oh God, I'm spacing on his name. How dare you? <laughs> The guy that plays the uh, that actually plays V, 
uh, Agent oh, Smith. Hugo yeah, Hugo Weaving. Yeah, yeah. And just a brilliant portrayal by him. God, I hate brain farts. Um, so, yeah, man, it's it's interesting to see that how now that it is her pervasive part of culture, I'm hoping that with with what you're hoping is that some of those, you know, those smaller organizations and those smaller distributors and things like that that are really putting out the uh, maybe the more off the beaten path stories will get a little bit more traction. And, it, you know, now that things are more user supported and customer driven uh, with things like Kickstarter, I think. I think it is going to go in that direction. Uh, yeah. I, if you're familiar with Kevin Smith, which of course you are. Oh, absolutely. A comic fan. Yeah. Um, I think with what he's doing with his films, he's going out and doing just goofy ass films that he wants to do with yep. things like yoga hosers and things like Tusk, uh, <laughs> quirky, crazy movies. And you're either going to love them or you're going to hate them. And yeah. that's perfect because yeah. Not everything is mean, meant to be palpable for everybody. You can't, Absolutely. you can't do that. Yeah. So, I'm hoping that we create this new, like a new regime of of comics and and, and move things into a different, a uh, different yeah. era. And that's the like, because right now I don't know if, if you're aware of of a thing called Comics Gate. Um, and it's I don't really want to get into it. It's it's you know got a lot of. A lot of hate and everything and it, mm -hmm. it's simply it's a group of people that have come in and said hey you shouldn't you know you you shouldn't be you know pushing um you know comics on people like you know pushing the the lgtbq agenda that kind of stuff and it's like look man hey comics are for everyone mm -hmm. and if you don't like this certain comic don't buy it <laughs> you know what i mean but but if you are a part of that community and you want to tell a story through making a comic, make a comic and, and celebrate the things that, that, you know, you're passionate about and you'll find your audience, but right. it's not going to be for everybody. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I agree with you. I think we need more of that kind of stuff. And, and I think we also need to support each other and say, Hey, you know what? I may not agree with the thing that you're saying in your comic, but I support the fact that you can do that. And, and, you know, I, I think I love that you, you are, and I encourage you to do it more, you know, that kind of stuff. We need that kind of camaraderie. Uh, and instead of this, Oh, I don't like what you're saying. So you can't do it at all. Well, that's bull crap. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's, that's not what this should be about. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you'd mentioned before, it is about social commentary, yeah. you know, and it is one of those things that's going to progress naturally as people change. So the subject matter will be reflective of the time that it exists. You know, Absolutely. that's the beautiful thing about a comic. It's very much a time capsule. You pick yeah. that thing up from, from my experiences, uh, you pick the thing up and it's going to be derivative of the time in which it existed. Yeah. And the art is that way in general, you know, yeah. Artists are always looking for that thing to express what they're going through. Um, and that's the beauty of it. And, and, you know, a lot of people, I understand um, the other side as well. I, I do understand people getting upset uh, mm -hmm. and offended about some things. Uh, I'm not going to minimize you being upset. I don't want to do that. But what you should understand is, like you said, even if that thing exists, you know, and even at a capitalist standpoint, just don't fucking buy it. Yeah. 
It's real simple. Talk with your dollars and cents. Uh, let that thing <laughs> exist over there. And if if you're you're right, and hopefully the dollars will speak, and that thing will go away because that artist can no more uh, no longer afford to do that. Like if somebody came out with a really overtly racist comic, and I would say that I think that the community would be like, yeah, we're not we're not buying that. Yeah. Like take your Nazi communist bullshit over there and then it would just disappear. Yeah. Usually does. So yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, I think we're running right on schedule here to bring me into this. I hate to say schedule, uh, but I like <laughs> to keep it at about an hour and it somehow works out pretty perfectly every time. Um, I like to end this with talking to people about their inspirations Sure. Uh, and like the things that drove them to do uh, whatever that specific niche is, you know, why were you driven to that? You know, was it something that happened to you in your life? Was it a person? What was your thing? Um, well, yeah, there were actually, I'd say two, two biggest, two of the, well, two big things. One is I struggle uh, daily with severe asthma. Um, really bad. When I was a kid, I was actually in the top 5% of the worst childhood uh, cases of asthma in the city. Um, you know, hashtag winning. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so, you know, I, 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 when I was growing up, I couldn't go outside. I couldn't do a lot of things. I was hooked up to a breathing machine in my home and to kind of distract me from that, my parents would put, you know, um, the comics and drawing paper in front of me. And so I learned to love this medium from that part of me that, that, that was, you know, from suffering in my life. And, um, and it, it really gave me a purpose in, 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 and it, it showed me that, Hey, this is a bad thing that is in my life that I have to deal with yet. It has brought, you know, me to being able to, to, practice and get talented and, 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 uh, and, and do this thing that I love and have become passionate about. And I wouldn't have been able to do that with, with really without my asthma, probably would have played football cause I'm huge. <laughs> and so that, you know, that that's probably what would have ended up happening. And so I, I kind of, that had, that led me to comics and, and actually I'm about to start a new comic series called the nebulizer, um, which is an, uh, about a, a uh, asthmatic um, warrior in post-apocalyptic time that he ha- he is in a suit that works as a nebulizer, a breathing machine that's constantly pumping medicine at him. So he and he's fighting these monsters and and uh, it's it's coming out later this year and I'm actually pretty excited about it. It's a passion project of mine, uh, kind of a therapeutic type deal. And I want to give other people who struggle with asthma um, somebody to look up to um, and and you know kids that that you know kind of. In the same way of Daredevil, he's a superhero that's known for what he can't do. It's it's that type of the mentality. Um, and as far as memoirs is concerned, it's it's been a passion project of mine for about 15, 16 years. Um, you know, as a Christian, I, I really wanted to be able to express um, all the things that I've learned about the Bible, what my walk with Jesus looks like. And, 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 and I wanted to do it in a way that was different and I wanted to do it in a way that was real. And so I kind of crafted this horror fantasy, um, this series that is, 
essentially taking all of these biblical themes and, and, and actually does have some flashbacks in biblical times, but it's all through the perspective of the spiritual realm with, you know, gods and, and, and angels and, and, um, and demons and that whole realm. It's all from that perspective. Um, and so, you know, really it's also just kind of a, uh, I don't want to get too cheesy here, but it's a little bit of a worship song to God for me in, in this way. Um, it's my way of expressing my faith, but also telling a, 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 what I think is a, a really good story that needs to be told. Fantastic, man. Um, I love how unique that pathway is that you're taking. I think that's great, man. And the asthma, the nebulizer, that's, that's fantastic. What a cool idea. It's like a, a good guy, Darth Vader. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I love exactly. that. Very yeah, cool, and, man. And the cool thing is, uh, I'll say there's one little thing about it. Uh, the suit is has an AI as well, named Albie. Um, so it's there's there's constant you know witty banter between uh, the Connor, the guy in the suit, and the suit itself. So it's kind of like a Knight Rider, Iron Man, you know, kind of kind of deal. Fantastic! Sounds like a, a beautiful amalgamation of a bunch of different things that I love. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be looking for that. That's awesome. Um, if you want to do yourself a solid and give yourself uh, any more plugs, maybe let people know. Uh, which distributors they can check in with to get some of your material. Uh, and I'm, I mean it when I say I'm going to get some of that information from you, do that myself. Sure, uh, man, so share sure. that. All right. Uh, well, the best way to do it is just to go to brianrodman.com. Uh, um, and the comics tab on that is it's, it's an online store. It's got every single issue. We have a trade paperback right now of memoirs of an angel. It collects the first four issues. There are currently five issues out. And I'm working on six and seven. That's going to be, uh, um, we're doing a Kickstarter for that later this year. Um, and I'm also uh, on Facebook. You just type, you know, search Brian Rodman or, uh, or Memoirs of an Angel. Uh, you can Google those as well. I've actually made it to the top of Google uh, for, for my name and for, for Memoirs of an Angel. So uh, you can find uh, my social media uh, there pretty quickly. Um, I am, the trade is also in uh, every comic book store in Louisville. Uh, and Cincinnati as well. Um, so you can, you know, if, if you, right now we can't really go to comic book stores, but some of them are doing curbside service. So if, if that's something you're looking at, um, you know, and you live in these areas, Hey, the, the book's there. So, Fantastic, yeah. man. Uh, let me thank you again for taking some time out of your day. Um, and during all these trying times, giving me an excuse to run my mouth to people. Uh, so I appreciate <laughs> you a lot, man. Uh, and I hope people go out there and support, uh, definitely support your local artists. You know, I'm uh, here in Louisville myself, so definitely take care of the local people. Um, they can't do it without your support. So appreciate you, Brian. Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it, buddy. <laughs>